So Emory University is in the heart of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, today it's most well known for its medical school. It'd be the healthcare system in Atlanta. So if you uh, have lived in Atlanta, um, much like we have CHI here, Emory would be to Atlanta what CHI is to Omaha. Uh, so they have a huge medical school there. They have uh, a law school. They have the college, which uh, you know, would have students from all over the world. But it actually started off as a, a theology school uh, back in the 1800s. It was named after Bishop uh, Candler, who was one of the uh, early Methodist bishops. So uh, it started off as a, basically a seminary or a ministry training school. Now, Bishop uh, Candler's brother was a pharmacist, and he invented this little product called Coca-Cola. So uh, it's called the Candler School of Theology. It's either named after the bishop or the guy who paid for everything. And uh, the whole school, it's, uh, you know, everything's named after the former CEOs and board people of uh, Coca-Cola. Now, um, in uh, 1996, as kind of a footnote to the story, the Olympics were in Atlanta. And so what the Olympic Committee did is they found all the colleges. So you had Emory, you had Georgia State, uh, Georgia Tech, you know, Agnes Scott College. And they built these PE centers that were just like PE centers on steroids. I mean, it's like comparing lifetime fitness to like, you know, your neighbor's garage gym. Um, just like these amazing facilities. And when I was a senior there at the, in the, uh, getting a Master of Divinity in the Graduate School of uh, Religion, uh, one of the things I did is when they had a student from the Midwest, because there weren't very many of us, I would give uh, a tour of the university and a tour of the, the theology school. And um, so we uh, had pretty much finished the tour. This one was from Minnesota. And man, she was, uh, she was an amazing story. I just, the whole time, absolutely nothing but respect for her. She um, had escaped a very abusive relationship. Um, you know, basically, she was semi-homeless for almost a couple months, pulling this off. She had two little kids that she was uh, you know, responsible for. Um, you know, she was, uh, went, went back to school, became a nurse, um, you know, was able to financially uh, provide for the kids. Part of her healing process was becoming uh, part of a, a church. It was the United Methodist Church. And uh, it was during that time of her healing that... Um, you know, she felt the Lord was leading her away from being a nurse to being a, a pastor. And that was why she was visiting the seminary. And um, just, she had overcome so much. And I was just like, you know, it doesn't matter, like, you know, where this woman goes. She's going to just do amazing things. Uh, her story is a story of redemption. It's the gospel. It's like, I mean, she's her own testimony in the, at this place. And so she wanted to go see the PE Center, um, and uh, I thought I knew where it was. I didn't really spend a lot of time there. Um, <laughs> so I, I made my way over to it. And um, so we were walking up these steps. And um, she, I mean, she had recovered in a lot of areas in her life. And, you know, one of the things that she dealt with was some obesity. Um, but, you know, after ta- it didn't matter. I mean, after talking to her, like, and she actually said, she says, you know, this is an area of my life that I really want to, you know, take care of. I want to be healthy. Um, you know, I want to, uh, you know, have my body be God's temple, and I don't need to win fitness contests. I just want to be healthy. And, like, we're walking up the steps to this peace center where, and I don't know what happened to her. I don't know if she went there. Um, but wherever she went, this was going to happen. She was courageous. She was determined. Um, she's on her way up. And there's two undergraduate students. You know, I'm putting them 19, 20 years old. And I don't think they thought that she was going to hear what they said, and it doesn't make it right. But 
one of them mentions something about her weight. Um, and then, yes, right, she's coming here. Um, and I just looked at her, and I just said, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say. And um, her response was just, to me, incredible. Um, she says, you know, Craig, after you've been through what I've been through, um, two teenagers talking about my weight is like the least important thing. Uh, you know, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of this. And yeah, I believe she probably totally did. Um, now, you've heard the phrase, right? Sticks and stones may break my bones, uh, but words will never, uh, never hurt you. Um, now, um, that's not true. Like, there's no part of that that's true. Like, words do hurt. Uh, you know, she was very mature, very, like, spiritual, very graceful about that, but there's no way that couldn't have not stung a little bit. Like, We've all had words said to us, and um, we can say, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Um, now, here's the deal, though. Words really do hurt if we believe them. And if we believe them, the words won't just hurt us. The words, they can, you know, totally destroy us. Now, I thought about those students, because I think the issue is really theirs. Um, this one had been through hell. And a little pot shot from a teenage boy wasn't going to hurt her. But I, I thought about them, and what if they lived the rest of their life with this really critical attitude? What if they spent their days belittling and nitpicking and, and criticizing and judging? Uh, that wouldn't be much of a life. Um, now, that was 20 years ago. That was 23 years ago. Now, the world has changed in 23 years. I don't know if you guys got the memo, but is different today in 2023 than it was back in 2020. And now if you just look at public discourse, it is like common um, to like hear criticism and belittling and nitpicking and name calling. In fact, I wouldn't say in some places it's just common. I would say it's almost accepted. Like our bar has lowered so much on how we talk to each other and how we treat each other. I just think about like, you know, I mean just go on Twitter and look at like Elon Musk's account and I mean you'll get to the third one and all of a sudden like these people who don't know each other are fighting with each other. Um, it's just the way that we do it. Your sports teams, your haircut, the words you use. Like it's a tune that culture has stuck in our head that it's okay to judge, it's okay to criticize, it's okay to nitpick, it's okay to uh, belittle. So it's just like become accepted. Now we're in the middle of a series called Summer Playlist. Like these are the songs that we get stuck in our head and we've looked at the behaviors that we get stuck in our head. And so do you know the best way to get rid of a song that's like, you know, what at first week I said the most contagious song is It's a Small World, which is like the worst song ever written. Um, like I'm, I'm all for freedom of speech, but if we could get rid of that one, I'd be, I'd be fine with it. Um, but the best way to get rid of the song that's stuck in your head is to get a new song stuck in your head. And the best way to get rid of these uh, behaviors that are stuck in our head is to get new and better behaviors stuck in our head. So the first week we looked at overthinking and we said, what if we could go from overthinking to peace? The second week we looked at uh, doubt and we said, what if the song doubt could be replaced by the song faith? And last week we looked at regret and what if regret could be replaced by uh, hope? 
Now today we look at judging. We're going to try to get the song of judging and nitpicking and criticizing and belittling and being mean. We're going to try to get that song out of our head and we're going to try to replace it with a better song. Now the first way that we do this uh, is just realize that you are not capable of judging others well, so don't even try. Like we just don't. I, so I play golf on Friday morning and. Um, it was on hole, uh, it's either like five or six at Tiburon. For those of you who play, it was the par three right by Highway 370. Now, um, the guy I was playing with, and he was at the first service, he can verify that all this is true, except the parts that I embellish a little bit. Um, <laughs> so no embellishments on this one. So he said, it's playing 171 yards, so get your 171-yard club out. I'm like, I don't have a 171-yard club. What are you talking about? Like... My furthest iron doesn't go that far, and my seven wood would go too far. And he said, well, here's a nine wood. Try the nine wood. So I got up, I did the practice swing. I swung, and I just like hit the ball like absolutely on the sweet spot. Um, so right when I hit the ball, he says, that could go in. And it's just like it was on a V-line toward the hole, and it just went up in the air, and it dropped. And it dropped about five feet in, uh, before the hole, and like it rolled. and. Like it just was slowly creeping up the hill, and I thought for the first time in my life I'm going to get a hole in one, and instead God decided to keep me humble, um, <laughs> and it rolled about two feet past, and we got to the green and we looked at where the mark was, where the ball landed, and we looked where the ball was, and we looked at where I teed off from, and it was a perfect straight line. It was only God that kept me from getting the hole in one, and. Um, he says, the guy that's playing, he says, well, now you can't use this as a sermon illustration. I said, yes, I can. I can use anything as a sermon illustration. Now, it worked out well. I, I only see one right now. Um, I had a bunch of them in the first service. I guess there's more golfers at the first service than the second service. Um, so based on that story alone, uh, if, if you only saw me hit that shot, you would be asking your question, like, uh, why isn't the guy on the PGA Tour? Actually, you wouldn't be asking that question because now I'm old enough to play on the Seniors Tour. <laughs> I'm on the young side of the Seniors Tour, but I could still be out there with Jack Nicklaus and Gary Player and all those guys. Um, even if you heard this story, you think, well, it appears Craig's playing a little bit too much golf. Now, the only person I've, I can see that I've played golf... No, uh, Rob, you've played golf with me. So tell the people, am I a good golfer? You're in church, you have to tell the truth. <laughs> don't be nice, don't be kind. Tell the people, am I a good golfer? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so John, you've played golf with me. Um, so Rob is fairly new and I think he's still being nice. Am I a good golfer? Uh, I would say no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so John is correct. I think uh, I actually played very well the day I played with Rob. Um, but. Yeah, so the guy at the first service, he's like, yeah, Craig is like, a, Craig is like a, a broken clock. You know, a broken clock is right twice a day, and you can usually get two good shots out of Craig per round. Um, one guy said, you know, well, Craig's, in, it was a four-person best ball when I played with that guy, and he said, well, Craig's enjoyable to play with, but he didn't add any value to our team. So there we go. Rob, thank you. I appreciate your kindness. So... There's no one that uh, would be qualified just based upon that one shot and that one story to say, um, am I good at this? Um, and that's the way that we do that. Like, we're not qualified to say, you know, is she a, a failure? 
or um, is, is, he, uh, is he mean? Now, Jesus had something to say about the subject, and remember we're on the subject, like, don't judge because we can't do it well. There's always more to the story than what we know. So Jesus didn't really mince words here. He just says, um, don't do it. Uh, can't do a good job of it, so don't do it. Now, there's many things that you're capable of doing well. Uh, as I look out here, I see people who do things well all the time. Now, judging others accurately is not going to be one of those things. So my uh, 16-year-old son, David, was 15 years old last year. Does anyone know uh, an activity that you do with a 15-year-old that greatly enhances your prayer life? Yeah, drive, good. Now, you guys are getting the hang of this, this little audience participation thing here today. So... Um, so we drove like down Harrison to 204 to Dodge. We're on Dodge. Uh, we're going to turn on 180th and go back home. And you can get off the ramp there, and there's like a light. And if the light's red and there's no cars coming, like you know, most people with experience would go. Um, the 15-year-old who uh, you know makes sure he's following the law and you know isn't quite as comfortable as many of us driving. Like he he waited. Now, it was a nice fall day, and this guy behind us, like he, it wasn't like a polite honk, like, uh-uh, there's no one coming, let's get the show on the road. It was like, uh-uh, like I'm in a hurry, move, let's, you know. So then we get to that stoplight, like the stoplight where you turn left to go to Village Point, and it's just, has anyone ever had that awkward moment where like the road rage incident has happened, and like, right, you're right next to the person, like hashtag awkward, and... So he had a convertible. I just kind of look over at him, and um, he say, hey, there's no cars coming. You guys, can, you guys could leave. And I said, well, he's 15 years old, and this is the first time he's ever driven. Um, he's like, oh, sorry. Um, you know, he didn't know the whole story. He's not capable. None of us are capable of making good judgments of, of other people. Now, criticizing others doesn't make you smarter. Um, or better than the one you're criticized, and all it does is make you mean. And the world needs less mean people and more kind people. Um, less cynicism and, and, and more patience. So before you judge somebody, um, remember you can't do it well. And remember that everybody has, their, uh, everybody has their own unique set of stories and struggles. We all do, everyone. Uh, most of which most all of us are totally unaware of. Those two kids at that college uh, had heard those stories that that woman told me. Um, they would have looked at her with nothing but respect and admiration. Now remember those things before you judge somebody. Now the second one is, uh, words are, are, are so powerful. They are, they're, they're so powerful, so use them wisely. So let's play this little game. Um, I want you to think of a time in your life that somebody said something uh, to you that hurt you. Now just think of something. This is just like for your own reflection. Now, most of you have probably already thought of something. Now, for some of you, it would have been in the last few days. Uh, For some of you, it would have been in 2023 for sure. Now, some of you actually went back further than that, though. I know you did. Like, some of you actually went back like five years or 10 years or maybe like even to your childhood. Now, what does that show you? That shows you the power of words whether it was last week or whether it was like in 2006, somebody said something to you that you still remember. That's, that's how powerful words are. 
So Proverbs uh, 15.1, um, we're going to get 16 on the way to use good words. It says a harsh word uh, stirs up anger. Has anyone ever got like a text message or an email that just wasn't overly kind? Anybody? Okay, so it appears I'm the only one that gets those. Um, must be an occupational hazard. And like, how, how do you react to those? Like, okay, I'm going to tell you how you shouldn't do it. Like, yeah, answer right in the heat of the moment when you're angry and upset and, you know, proofread it to make sure you got all your arguments. You know, you don't have to be, no, you just send it, just send it right away and, and see how that works out for you. <laughs> um, or you could be like really cynical like I am and you could just say, um, you know, I'd agree with you, but we'd both be wrong. Um, okay, that was really funny stuff. Um, <laughs> it's going to be like 3.30 this afternoon. You're going to laugh. You're like, that was funny. I'd agree with you, but we'd both be wrong. Um, or like a little lower version of humor is, um, hey, just want to let you know, somebody must have hijacked your email account. And they have like sent me all this nonsense and it's just complete and utter like garbage. I just wanted to let you, let you know this so you could secure your email account. You could try something like that too. Um, so I have never once heard of like an email or a text dispute settled um, by responses that keep escalating. I've never heard anybody say, well, gosh, you know, you were mean to me and you had that one little point of truth in there and it totally converted me and you're right and I was wrong. Like, that does not happen. All it does is just add uh, uh, fuel to the fire. Um, now, there's a way to do this well. Think about the power of words. Remember, some of you remembered words that were spoken to you years ago. So, kind words are like honey. Sweet to the soul and, and, and healthy to the body. So, like, here's how you do this. Um, instead of judging or criticizing or belittling or nitpicking or condemning, um, what if you just said something like, hey, uh, obviously we don't agree here, um, but I, I value you as a person uh, for sure. I can't imagine, you know, not having a good relationship with you. What if we just, like, talk and... You know, we try to listen to each other and try to understand each other. And if we still can't get there, let's just respect that we, as uh, you know, two bright people can disagree on this and you know, still treat each other well. Like that's gonna be better than, you know, point by point. Here's why you're right and I'm wrong, and here's my passion and how I believe this. Like, value the other person um, with those words that are so, so, so powerful. Now, the third is. Uh, you would never throw a grenade at somebody sitting next to you because you both would blow up. So judging and criticizing has the same effect, so no need to continue uh, those habits. So like, think about a time like you've really criticized someone or judged someone or um, evaluated them harshly or were mean to them. Um, nobody wins. Nobody. Like, the person you said those words to, like, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, words do hurt. They're powerful. We just looked at that. But I would almost argue the per and I would argue the person um, who's going to suffer the most from those words is the one who speaks them. Uh, I, I really would. Um, when Jesus is talking in Matthew 7, I don't think his primary advocate was a person in the future that might hear some kind words instead of harsh words. Jesus, it appears to me he was clearly speaking 
about the well-being of the one who uh, himself or herself is like the, the critic. You know, so the, the grenade is uh, aimed um, at the one who is criticized, but if you're sitting right next to the person, um, it's going to blow up and get you as well. Um, now Jesus says, don't judge others, and you'll not be judged. For you'll be treated, and so even if you believe in like 0% of this gospel stuff, here, Jesus is speaking just a truth that any like psychologist or any sociologist would, would totally agree with. For you'll be treated as, as you treat others. Uh, the standard you use in judging is the standard by which you'll be getting, uh, which you'll be judged. Now, here's what Jesus is uh, is getting at here. You'll see it on the screen behind me. Most other people are going to treat you pretty much the same way that that you treat them. Now, I get, and some of you are already going there. Like, yeah, there are exceptions to this. Yeah, there's going to be times that. Uh, you speak really kind words to somebody and they give you some really hostile words back. There's going to be times you treated someone really, really well and they weren't so nice to you. And then adversely, there's going to be times that you were just kind of a jerk to somebody and they gave you a bunch of grace. Like, I get those times exist, but those are the exception, not the rule. Like, the same is going to be true with our words. Like, look at the scattergram that's up here and, you know, this obviously isn't, you know, totally accurate, but this is kind of how it looks like if we use harsh words and just go try this for a week, like criticize and belittle and nag and nitpick at everybody in your life, you're going to find by the end of the week, these are the words that you're going to be getting back. Now, if your words are neutral and they're like a bunch of small talk, um, you know, just a lot of politeness, uh, you know, you're just going to have a bunch of neutral conversations you know, you'll talk about how it hasn't rained in Omaha for like 68 days, and that will be like what you talk about. Um, now, if you want to like have the really cool life, what you do is you encourage. Um, you know, sometimes when you encourage, you might get a neutral word back or a harsh, it, it, it happens, but the scattergram is probably pretty darn accurate in the sense that most of the words you're going to get are going to be pretty positive and, and uplifting. All right, so uh, number four. Um, if you have time to judge people, then you have too much free time on your hands. Uh, do something better with your time, like adding value to yourself and value to others. So you know what's really easy is uh, it's really easy to judge. That's like the easiest thing to do. You know, criticizing is right up there, nitpicking is right up there. Um, it's really easy to do those things. Anybody can do it. But it's really tough. Um, it, it's tough work to grow. It, it's really tough work to be part of the solution. You know, so much easier to uh, figure out the, the problem, so much more difficult to be part of the solution. So Jesus, he talks about this. He talks about, you know, let's add value to ourselves, and through this, let's add value to others. So he's actually using, like, exaggeration here, which is, you know, it's a form of humor, and he says, why would you worry about the speck in uh, your friend's eye? when you have this log in your, your own eye. How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? And he says, hypocrite. Um, first, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then, you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your, your friend's eye. So what Jesus is saying here is, yeah, judge all you want, um, but just make sure the person you're judging is you. You don't worry about that guy over there that has this little problem. Worry about your big problem. 
um, you know, feel free to judge uh, like who you are um, today compared to who you were yesterday and who you can become tomorrow compared to who you are today. Uh, he's saying like, I mean, imagine like someone's got like a speck of dust in their own eye and like this is like a, be like a small log, like a log. And you're, you got this big problem and you're looking like for this little problem and something. don't do that. Like worry about this and, and not that. So Jesus is telling us like your contribution to this world is not going to be resolving a minor problem in somebody else's life. Uh, your contribution uh, to this world is not going to be to judge others uh, or criticize others and hope they improve based on your meaningful and insightful feedback. Jesus is saying, like, your contribution is going to be to restore yourself. Your contribution is to uh, uh, grow as a disciple. Your contribution is to remove the log from your own eyes so that you can see clearly uh, and love the world well that God has created. Like, you can either judge someone or you can, you can seek to understand them. There's one that's going to divide. That's not good. There's one that unifies, and that is good. Now, here's how this works. Like, let's just say, like, here's a judgmental phrase. A judgmental phrase is, uh, he always forgets. Like, a helpful understanding phrase is, um, I really admire how he's uh, learning to cope with his uh, ADHD. Um, a uh, judging phrase is, well, she doesn't go out very much. She must not have many friends. The understanding phrase is, uh, she has a high level of introversion, and when she got, gets home from work, like she just needs that alone time to, to recharge. The judgmental phrase says, he has trust issues. The understanding phrase says, uh, you know, somebody broke his heart, and uh, he's still healing. Let's give him some time. The judgmental phrase is, you know, she could use a little self-esteem. The understanding uh, phrase is, her parents really demanded perfection of her, and she's never, ever felt that she's good enough, but, but she's trying. Do you see the difference between judging and understanding? So there's two things we can do about this then. Um, number one is decrease... Well, it's point number five, I guess you'll see it up there. Um, decreased judging others and increased praying for others. I want you to try it. I just want you to try it. Like, try it this week. Like, there's a coworker who frustrates you. I know, I have like nine of them. Um, <laughs> that was just to be clear. They're all like coming up to me. Like, was that me you were talking about? I said, no, it was, it was her. <laughs> No, I mean, you got, co- you got co-workers, you got family, you got people that live under your roof, you got people that play on your kids as uh, parents. Like, have you ever had to deal with youth sports parents before? Like, don't, don't judge, just pray. Like, pray hard and often and long. And um, yeah, try to pray instead of judging. And I'll tell you what, this is just from personal experience. Um, if I've prayed for someone that is being difficult, um, with me, and chances are I'm probably being pretty difficult with them too, but uh, I have never once had a negative experience praying for that person. I've never once had a negative experience praying for that person. There's probably a few times it was pretty neutral and it didn't do a lot, but there's times um, it didn't change them at all. Like, that was not the point of the prayer. The point of the prayer is to change my reaction to them. 
And a lot of times, God softened my heart. God gave me some understanding. And if God didn't give me some understanding, God gave me some patience. And like, try this. Jesus himself says, what does he say? He says, um, you know, uh, love your enemies and pray for those uh, who persecute you. And this isn't as a gift to them. This is a gift to the one who's praying. So I love this. Job had some friends. And these friends, man, I'm not sure if they were friends or not. The Bible calls them friends. But they just, they weren't always the best influence on him. And when Job prayed for his friends, listen to what happens. Um, it didn't say what happened to the friends. The Bible never gives us that. When Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his, Job's, fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much uh, as before. And I really believe this. I really believe that when, when we pray for those people that are difficult for us, the people that we don't understand, the people that formerly we would have judged and condemned and criticized, uh, God's going to do something in us. He really will. And you don't have to have gone to the seminary in the southeast, like, you know, with the theologians and the scholars. Like, any of us can do this. This is simple stuff. You know, it's like, dear God, um, this relationship is tough, and I don't feel valued. I don't feel appreciated. Um, I don't feel respected. And God, just help me to understand. Help me to be patient. Help me to look at that log in my eye and do what I can to myself and help me to react better. And maybe at that point you say amen. And then you try it again the next day and you try it the day after that. And maybe God does a little bit and a little bit's better than nothing. And maybe God does a lot and the prayer totally transforms you and that's even better. Now the next thing you can do is uh, decrease judging others and increase encouraging others. So I picked these up from my uh, office uh, I always use the conference room. Um, there's three reasons. One is I like the chairs. They're really comfortable. Uh, number two is I get to look out the window, and I have to look out windows. And number three, it just gets really noisy upstairs. They're just all talking all the time in the other office where all the people are. Okay, so that was a joke because I just did a sermon on judging, and I'm almost to the point where I'm done. And you can all obviously see that I just judged all my coworkers who are actually like amazing people. Um, so anyway, just forget about that. Um, so I have all these cards. These are probably cards that have been written to me, like, um, I'd say probably in the last, like, three weeks, maybe. I actually, like, have them upstairs, but I'm downstairs most of the time. And, like, look at all these. These are crazy. Like, so I want you to know that uh, there's, like, more of them. And, like, uh, so I read every one of these. Um, in fact, there's some days, like, I'll just go through them and I'll read them all um, again. And some of these I've read a number of times. Like, all these are encouragement. You know, some are gratitude, some are encouragement, um, you know, some are funny, some are serious. And I'm not complaining. I mean, I, I could not ask to serve at a better, and our whole staff feels this way. Like, I could not ask to serve at a better church with better people. You know, the, this has not been the easiest gig the last three or four years. And, um, you know, things like this, like, this is so much better than criticism. This is so much better than judgment. This is so much better than nitpicking. I mean, text messages and emails and personal conversations and hugs, like, this is what the world needs. It, it is not easy out there. It's not easy for me. It's not easy for you. I know your stories. Life in 2023 in Omaha, Nebraska is not easy. 
And the criticism, the judging, the nitpicking, the belittling, the unfair evaluation, it's not helping the cause. Encouragement and, and, and good words, that helps the cause. So here, here's like what I want you to do. We had a postcard made on Thursday. You can pick it up on your way out. Um, it's mostly a blank postcard, and what I want you to do is maybe write someone's name on there, um, put a little stamp on there, and put some kind words on there. So, you know, a lot of people get something like, you know, one of these like this week. Now, if you think that's kind of corny and you don't want the postman to read what you're writing because it is a postcard, like send a text message, like have a conversation. Maybe you have it on the way home today. Um, just like good, encouraging, wholesome words instead of uh, the evaluating and the nitpicking and the criticism. The world has more than enough critics. Uh, be quick to compliment, encourage abundantly. Um, Paul writes about this in 1 Thessalonians. Uh, so encourage each other and, and, and build each other up. The last thing I got is uh, number seven, what you'll see on the screen. Um, thankfully, the one who judges us in the end is the same one who loves us most in the beginning. In this case, the judge took off his robe. Uh, he became one of us. You know, he showed us what it was like to, to live and serve and give and, and forgive. Um, he was the one that could actually judge well, and he didn't choose to do that. He, choose, he chose to die on a cross and give us grace and forgive us of our sins, which gives us a glimpse of ultimately how we should treat others. You know, if you live for the approval of others, you need to hear this. If you live for the approval of others, uh, you'll see it on the screen behind me, you will die by their rejection. Um, so I want you to know this, and it's found in James chapter 4, verse 12. Know this, there is one who stands supreme as the judge and the lawgiver. He alone is able to save and to destroy. So who are you to step in and try to judge one another? Thankfully, the one who loves us the most is the one who gets to judge us in the end. So we've uh, ended each of the services with a prayer that we've written for this week specifically. It should be in your bulletin. It's online. Um, we'll have a little card you can take and take with you if this has been a week that's been meaningful for you, if uh, you know, being judgmental, critical. And I want you to do some reflection because I think a lot of us don't think we're quite there, and I think a lot of us actually might be a little bit more on that uh, spectrum than we think we are. Um, just pray this prayer. So I invite you to pray with me. You'll see it on the screen. So let's pray together. God, as I have been accepted by you, make me accepting of others. Teach me to embrace instead of disgrace and encourage instead of discourage. So God, I, I, I continue our, our prayer. Um, Lord, none of us are perfect. We're far from it. Uh, but God, we just, you're the one who loves us the most and you're the one who gets to judge us in the end. And we just come with gratitude that you're compassionate and tolerant and patient. And God, we thank you for these blessings. God, teach us uh, to replace judging others with praying for others. Uh, God, teach us to replace judging others by encouraging others. Give us the eyes to see the best in people and not the worst. Uh, help us, God, to seek a greater understanding in, in, in people. God, right now, we, we just pray that you'll bless those people that we have judged. Forgive us uh, 
for judging when we could have listened and served. Help us, God, to release uh, our hurts and uh, even forgive those who have, have judged us. God, judging, it, it distances us from who we can become. It distances us from, from others. And God, it certainly distances us from you because you're madly in love with the people that we judge. And for those of us who are parents, we know that's a tough thing. God, give us a, a relentless focus and passion to remove that great big log from our own eye and focus on our own growth. God, bless us with persistent passion to, to lift up others and not to tear them down. And God, draw us closer and nearer to you um, and, and share with others the, the grace that you continue to give us. So Lord, now in one voice we come and uh, pray the prayer that you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, thank you all for being here with us this morning. If you are volunteering for v VBS, we're going to have that volunteer meeting in about 10, 15 minutes. Um, if you are not volunteering for VBS, you can still help out because we are going to clear most of the chairs out of the sanctuary here. So we're going to leave the front three rows all the way across. So don't stack the, the front three rows. Um, but behind that, we're going to stack all the chairs. They stack seven chairs high. And then the legs are kind of tricky. So as you look, just make sure they're lined up. Then they won't tip over on anyone. So uh, we'd appreciate that if you could help us clear those out. Um, otherwise, thank you for being here. And we'll see you next Sunday at the Water's Edge. Thank you.